Hi. Hey, thank you, Pastor Chris. Thank you for the worship team, and thank you all for being here. And um, uh, yeah, last Sunday was awesome. Um, I'm sorry, this last week was awesome, Vacation Bible School. I, I want to recognize, I don't know if she's in the room or not. Is she in the room? She's over here. Oh, there she is. All right, and uh, I, I was looking for you back there, but you're in here. Um, and so our Vacation Bible School, our LP Kids Director, Vacation Bible School Director, uh, Tracy, Tracy, stand up real quick. And she, yeah. She did a phenomenal job, you know, has built a great team this past week and uh, just top notch. And uh, we're just so thankful for the hard work uh, that she put into uh, Vacation Bible School. And, and I think there were about two months there where she didn't sleep. I think she's just like, you know, uh, so I, I hope she's catching up on her sleep. And, and uh, we are privileged, we are blessed to have Tracy and her family with us here at Lake Point. And so, Awesome, thank you, Tracy. And so, well, this week, uh, you know, today we're gonna wrap up a series on Made for Mondays. And, uh, and what we're gonna talk about is, you know, how to balance that busyness, which came out of a busy week, and, and how can we find, or how can we embrace stillness um, in, in a busy world? And, um, and so hopefully this will challenge every one of you. And, I, and the confession I need to make here uh, for all of us it, um, I, I am uh, not the best at this. Uh, as far as what I'm going to talk about today, uh, this is a challenge for me. Um, if, if I had to single out five people in the church that need to hear this message, I, I would be at the top of this list. You know, and, and, and so this, this is uh, a challenge for me, and, and I acknowledge that here up front. And, uh, and so I told her, uh, some of the pastors, you know, we prayed before the first service and just prayed for the day. I just said, hey, just pray for me because I'm, I'm preaching a message that I'm just kind of giving it, I'm just kind of making a stab at it here because I, I'm, 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 not, I'm not great at this. And I recognize my failing sometimes in this area. And, uh, and, and so I, I hope you understand that. And I'm going to preach from the authority of God's word. And I, I understand that would help me. You know, and what God will teach us here, we will learn a lot. And so, let me say this. We are busy. We're busy people. And, and uh, we're busy with our jobs. We're busy at work. Um, some, some stats here, if you, like to, if, you're, if you like stats. More than 86% of men and 67% of women, they, they work more than 40 hours a week at their jobs. 86% of men, 67% of women work more than 40 hours a week. At the same time, two-thirds of them, they say they still don't have enough time to get everything done in a week. Only 57% of Americans use all of their allotted vacation time. We are oftentimes overworked, and, and this has a negative effect, a very negative effect on, on us personally and as well as on our family. There, there was a study, a six-year study of 2,500 different workers, and they found that those who work 11-hour days were two and a half times more likely to become depressed than those who work eight-hour days. And on top of that, we're not getting enough sleep, which is, you know, the average American what they say right now gets about two hours less sleep than the recommended time that we should be sleeping, which leads to all kinds of problems. 
you know, which is grumpy, or leads to obesity, diabetes, lack of concentration, efficiency, and even more depression. And at the same time, we have all these time-saving devices that's supposed to help us, right? And, 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 and it's supposed to help, you know, us do better in the track of time and make it more efficient with the smart tablets and smartphones. And, and I read an article that, that said that when we went on vacation 30 years ago, it used to be an on-off switch. You went, you turned everything off. But now, because we have so much access, that when we go on vacation, it's not an on-off switch, it's more of a dimmer switch. We can't quite turn it off. There was an article that, um, a, a study that was presented to Congress back in the 1960s. And the study claimed that with all this new technology, they didn't know what exactly what it was gonna be, but they knew it was coming, and our computer, you know, the, the, you know computer technology, and all the stuff that was coming out, and, and all the time-saving devices that would be invented in the next 30 years, 1950, that's out in the next 30 years, with all these time-saving devices, they were, they were afraid that at the end of this, that the average American would only work 15 hours a week because we'd have all these time-saving devices, and, and, the, and the government was worried, you know, the main problem would be how to fill up all the free time that people had on their hands. Is that anybody's problem right now? I don't think so. I think, I think it's, not, it's not for me, I'm for sure, right? And so we're, we're busy at work. We're, we're, we're not getting enough sleep. We're not taking vacation time. Uh, and then you add kids to the mix, right? And, and we're just busy. And so today I want to end this series on, on uh, Made for Mondays. I want to talk about how to be still. How to be still and how to manage the busyness in our lives. Now, I want to make a strong statement, and it's very important, a very strong statement, and here it is, if you're taking notes. There are a few things as damaging and potentially soul-destroying as busyness. Few things that are as damaging and potentially soul-destroying as, as busyness. And, and here's the tragedy. You, you just never see the downfall of it. You never see it coming. You see, busyness, it, it will destroy your joy. It will destroy your joy. It will cripple your capacity to love. And busyness, it will cause you to lose your ability to hear from God. Busyness will destroy your joy. It will destroy your capacity to love. It will cause you to lose your ability to hear from God himself. Now, Jesus told a story in the Bible about busyness. Luke chapter 10, verse number 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the feet, at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. So they're having a supper party 
but one of your best friends, Jesus. They're all close, right? And so Bible says in verse 40, but Martha, she was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. In other words, she's really, really busy. And she came to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? So she's tattletaling. All right, so she's busy. She's tattletaling, that's right too. And then he says to Jesus, tell her to help me. Now she's bossing Jesus. Three strikes here. I mean, this is not good. All right, so she, she's busy, busy, tattletaling, and she's bossing Jesus around. And then Jesus said in verse 41, Martha, Martha. Now, this is not a way of showing disrespect or, or impatience. In fact, whenever you see in the Greek language a name repeated twice, like you see here, it's a way of showing intense emotions. It's like putting a lot of exclamation points after the name Martha. In other words, what Jesus is trying to get to Martha is, hey, listen, this is very important. I need you to listen. I need you to stop and listen to what I'm about to say. And he said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed. Or indeed, only one. Mary had chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. And so this story, we see two wonderful sisters, but two very different personalities. Martha is the type A. She gets things done. She has a to-do list. She has it on her phone. She has everything written down. She's task-oriented. Mary is, is type whatever the other letter is. She's just loved by everybody. She likes to hang out. She's she, she, she people-oriented. And, and so you got two sisters, right? Uh, two personalities. Now, you need to know this. Jesus is not trying to indicate that he prefers the, the Mary's personality better than the other. You see, you got to know that God created both types of personalities. And he's got a purpose for both. He's got a purpose for both types of people. In fact, Jesus is not saying that we should never be busy. Busy preparing meals. That we, he's not saying that we should all just sit around all day, just, you know, do nothing but just a quiet time. You see, that would go so much against what some of the scripture teaches us. One of the spiritual gifts that, that God gives us is the, is the gift of serving and hospitality. And, and there's no way that you can read the Gospels and not conclude that Jesus was super busy. In fact, the Gospel of Mark, it's a fast action pace, you know, Gospel. was written to the Romans. Romans, like, you know, they're, they're like they're action, they're gladiators, all right? They, don't give us the teaching. Give us all the action stuff. And, and one of the key words in the, in the gospel of Mark is immediately. 
you see that over and over throughout the book of God, uh, through the book of Mark, and uh, Jesus immediately went here. Jesus immediately went there. Jesus was busy, was a very busy person. The Apostle Paul, a busy man. He looked out in Second Corinthians, all the things that he was involved with, and then he said this in, in chapter eleven, verse twenty-eight. He says, "I have the daily burden, or the daily pressure." of my concern for all the churches. Paul was, Paul was always having them on their minds, always thinking about the ministry that he was involved with. We see in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul said this, I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. So Paul was not just waking up at lunchtime, you know, doing a quiet time for a couple of hours, journal, then it's time for dinner and a movie, and then go to bed. That, Paul, Paul was like, I, I've worked harder than anybody I know. And so we go back to Luke 10. Jesus not saying here in this story that we're never supposed to be busy. So the question is, why is Jesus picking on Martha? What's happening here? Jesus wants to deal with Martha because she's allowed her competent, responsible personality that she has, this responsible type she is, she sees a danger. She sees a danger for those type of people because they pretend to think that, hey, I'm the in-all, one-all, in-all. I am a great Christian because I do all this stuff. I'm a big deal because I'm a responsible, competent person. And, and, and Jesus chooses to deal with a rather dangerous temptation for competent, responsible Martha type of people. Now, before I go on, well, some of you are like, well, then, Scott, I'm in good shape this morning because I'm the epitome of irresponsibility. I can't hold on to a job. I flunk out of school. I never, I'm never on time for anything. But you're not off the hook. You see, if the truth is to be told, there is a Martha in each and every one of us. And so I want to see three thoughts from this story about busyness that Jesus kind of deals with. And number one, here's the first thought. Jesus, he shadows a myth. And here's the myth, that busyness equals faithfulness. There's this well-entrenched, very entrenched, deeply held belief, and you see this in churches everywhere, that busyness, the more busy you are, means that you are more faithful to God. And so many of us like to be busy because when we feel busy, then we feel important and we feel needed and we feel valued by other people. We feel valued by God. And for many people, busyness means it makes us feel like we're more faithful to God. So look, God, I'm tired. I'm burned out. I, 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 I'm, you know, I'm carrying you across and, and it's heavy, you know, but, you know, I, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you. However, in, in one story, Jesus debunks 
this idea that busyness equals faithfulness. There's a second thought in the story that Jesus, we see that he confronts, he confronts the fear. He confronts the fear that Martha is having. having here. He said, Martha, Martha, and with the tense emotions, he said, Martha, I need you to listen. I need you to stop, and I need you to come be with me. And, and, he, and Jesus noticed that she's worried. He said, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. He said that in verse 41. You're worried. You're upset about many things. The word worried, the same idea of anxiousness or anxiety. Uh, and, and really, the root of our, the root of worry and the root of anxiety, it, it, it really comes down to a deeper issue. It's the, it's the word fear. It's fear that causes the worry. It's fear that causes to be anxious. And, and so what, what is Martha afraid of? What are her fears? We might have to speculate a little bit here, but I'm sure with the fear, the fear that, you know, if it's not, it's not going to get done, if I don't do it. It's the fear, you know, if I don't do it right, or if it doesn't get done, then everyone will think poorly of me. I mean, Jesus would think poorly of me. It's going to be embarrassing if he comes in the house and there's laundry piles everywhere. There's toothpaste stains on the mirror and the toilet didn't get flushed. I mean, it could be embarrassing. And so everything, Martha's like, everything has to be just right for the Son of God. I mean, I, I, I can't go out and just get something from Taco Bell. I mean, I've got to make something from scratch, and it's got to be great, and it's got to come together. Jesus doesn't deserve some lazy leftovers. He deserves the best, and so Martha's busyness uh, was driven by fear. Fear of the house not going to be ready. The fear that everybody's going to think badly of her if, the, if it doesn't come together. Now, before I tell you how Jesus confronts the fear, I, I think we need to understand that a lot of us, we, we face the same type of fears. You know, we have the fear of not being important or not being valued. We have the fear of, you know, of who else could do it. Uh, which is really kind of a, uh, it leads to a, a, a different sin called pride. Pride says, I'm the only one who can do this. I'm special, I'm unique, and no one else would do it the way I can do this. Uh, some of us, we have the fear of trying to please people. Trying to please people. Some of you can't say no because you want to be liked by everyone. Trying to prove yourself. And you can't rest because you're trying to prove something to someone in your life. Maybe it's a coach, a high school coach. Maybe it's a sibling. Maybe it's a parent or, or, or your spouse. You're just trying so hard to prove something to someone. Maybe you're trying to prove something to yourself. Maybe it's the fear that you're not doing enough to earn God's approval. Uh, 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 so Jesus is confronting Martha's fear perhaps you'll be as well. But brings me to the third thought in the story. So he debunks a myth. He takes care of a myth. 
he, he is uh, confronting a fear, and then Jesus in the story points to a better way forward. It shows a better way. And so we see in verse 41, we see Jesus again. He said, Martha, Martha, I want you to come be with me. I want you to stop. I want you to, I want you to think differently. Stop being so distracted by all this other stuff. Stop, stop being driven by your fears. Stop. And there's some things that we can learn from this point. And that Jesus is trying to teach us how to balance our, our, our busyness with rest. Here's a couple of thoughts. Jesus' approval is a gift. His approval is given as a gift. You know, God's approval is not given to you because you are crazy busy for him. He gave it to you. He gave you his approval because Jesus purchased it for you on a cross. God could not love you any more than that. He cannot love you more than that. Regardless of your level of busyness, his approval is a gift. Here's the, here's the thought here. God does not accept you because of the sweat of your brow or the sweat on your brow. He accepts you because of the blood of his son. He accepts you because of the blood of his son. So his approval is given as a gift, and we see that here in this story. But also Jesus is teaching a better way, and he said just all that we're striving for should be in him. All that we're striving for is in him. Jesus is the better source of identity. Jesus is telling Martha, she said, Martha, in me, you have the absolute approval of the only one whose opinion really matters. You are, you are obsessed about the cooking. You are obsessed about the housekeeping. You are obsessed about all this stuff, and you're missing, about, you're missing out on the most important thing you're missing out, I mean, why don't you think about my approval? Not worrying about everybody else's approval. Martha, my approval is the only one that matters. You see, what the Son of God thinks about you and me is way, way, way more important than what other human beings think about you. The Bible says in Proverbs, you know, that whosoever fears, you know, that whoever had to fear man, it's a trap. It's a snare. Whoever had the fear of, of others, it's a trap. But whoever puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. In, in Psalm, the, the psalmist David, he said in Psalm 16 11, he said, he said, you make known to me the path of life. That's the path we should walk on, the path of life. He's made it known for us. He said, you will Fill me with joy in your presence. By the way, that, that means, fill me with joy, that means joy that can't get any more intense. He gives us joy, he fills us with joy. 
with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Eternal pleasures, that joy that can't last any longer than that. I mean, the psalmist is saying, Jesus, in Jesus, you, you got the most intense pleasure that will last the longest time. And when you find that, then you should find satisfaction for your soul. Don't feel like you have to work for his approval or for the approval of others. He is all that we need. Everything we have should be striving in him. Here's the third thought here. Jesus is trying to teach us a better way forward, teaching Martha a better way forward. And Jesus is saying, listen, I'm omnipotent. Jesus is omnipotent so that you don't have to. Now, omnipotent, it, it means, simply means all-powerful. If it makes it easier to just write that above the word omnipotent, just say all-powerful. Jesus is all-powerful. So you don't have to be. Think about this. Why is Martha stressed out about dinner? I mean, isn't this the guy that took a Lunchable and fed the 5,000? Right? You think Jesus is sitting around worried about where dinner is going to come from? No. Here's the better way. Jesus said, come to the feet of Jesus, Martha. Find your sufficiency in me. And then let me tell you what to do. That's what Jesus is trying to tell Martha. I'm everything you need. I am enough. I am all powerful. Now, what we don't see in the story is Jesus is not saying, don't work. He's just saying to Martha, don't start with work. Start with me. Look, look at Luke chapter 10, verse 42. He, he's telling Martha, he says, few things are needed, Martha. Indeed, only one. And your sister Mary, she had chosen what is better. It would not be taken away from her. Jesus tells Martha she is neglecting the better thing, the best thing. Best thing does not mean the only thing. Best things mean here, it means the first thing. Don't neglect the first thing. It's exciting to see you all here today. Because this is the first day of the week. First day of the week. And as you woke up, maybe you had a cup of coffee, maybe not, maybe a little, maybe a little breakfast. And you say, you know what? What we're going to do is we're going to church as a family. And you can't. Because you see the importance of being here first day of the week. Every day. You know, first thing you should do, what we're trying to learn here, is spending time with God. Now, that might look different for each and every one of us, but are you spending time at the feet of Jesus? And are you listening to what he wants you to do? So start at the feet of Jesus, rest in him, and then listen Listen to him. And then when he tells you to do something, you go and do it. And you see, Martha, she, she didn't do that. Martha started with work. Jesus is in the house. And she's working. 
She's not even paying attention to Jesus. She should have started with Jesus. So again, the question is not what needs to be done. The question is, the right question is, what does he want me to do? See, we live in a world where the needs are never-ending. Never-ending. And many times, it's what we do. We do this. We ask ourselves, okay, what needs to be done? What got to get done? And if we ask that question, if we live by that question, then we will never get rest. We will never stop because there's always one more emergency. There's always one more need to be met. There's always one person that needs you. But Jesus said, don't start there. Start with resting in me, then ask me what I want you to do. Psalm, look at Psalm 127. Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain, you get up early and you stay up late, you're toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Hey, hold that verse up for just a minute. What is the sign in this verse that you are loved by God? Go ahead. You see it. Sleep. Some of you right now are really, really loved by God right now. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> hey, this is important. We see in the verse that you have a job to do during the day. That watchman is watching over the wall. There's someone that's building. There's someone that's taking care of the garden. But here's the spiritual principle. We sleep. We sleep in the peace that we know that God has the rest of us. You see, sometimes we think, oh, but I can't sleep. There's so much to do. And, and, and you don't sleep well because you're thinking about all the things that God get done. And, and, and the psalmist is saying, we just need to sleep knowing that God, while we sleep, is still blessing the city. That God is still taking care of the building. God is still taking care of the garden. God is still blessing the ministry. And so sleep is a necessary spiritual principle here. And this might be very spiritual. This might be the most spiritual thing you hear today. You might need to take a nap this afternoon. And some of you are like, amen, I'll take that nap. And that's good. Because sometimes God wants you to rest. God takes pleasure when you sleep. You know, when I go, go to bed, I check out the kids before they go to sleep. And when I hear them snoring, I see them sleeping. It gives me pleasure to know that, that they, they feel safe enough to sleep in a house. And, I, and I got, I've got, no, I got those late point nights. I'm ready to go. I'll take, care, I'll take care of all the bad guys that want to break in. Hey, they're safe. They're safe because they're in the arms of Jesus, in the hands of Jesus. God never sleeps. God never slumbers. Isaiah 40, verse 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? 
the Lord, the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. His understanding that no one can understand or fathom. He gives strength to the weary, increases the power of the weak. Even you grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. God gives us strength when we need the strength, and he carries us when we need the rest. Martha's running around. Who can take care of the stuff? Who can take care of dinner? Who can take care of the how? Well, the one who multiplies the, the bread and the fish has it all under control. What to do the things that God wants us to do? Uh, a very important thought here, and you need to understand this. So take a note. This is a, a principle that can save your spiritual life. Not everything that comes from heaven has my name on it. Not every ministry opportunity belongs to you. There may be a season for certain ministries and there may be a season for you not to be involved in certain ministries. Not everything that comes from heaven has your name on it. See what you need to figure out. It's what the Holy Spirit, what does he have your name on? You don't hear that when you're sitting and listening to God. Oh, Holy Spirit, where do you have my name on? And wherever that is, you pursue that with excellence and with faithfulness. But not every part of your season, season comes and goes, right? Just like in the annual calendar. Different season for different things. God may not have you involved in a ministry in this season for a reason. God might have you involved in, in a different ministry for this season for a reason. God, God, God knows what's best for you. Not everything that comes from heaven has your name on it. I, an author was once asked, what, they asked the question, what's your favorite book you've ever written? And the author said, my favorite book that I've ever written it's the one I didn't write when my kids were young. That's my favorite book. You see, this author, he recognized that there were seasons that he should do certain things. Now, here's the caution. I tell you all this, is don't use that as an excuse not to get involved in anything. I, I believe that at every point in your life, there's some way to be involved. Some way to be serving. So you didn't hear from me to just totally check out a ministry, period. I think there's times where, you, you know, you might not do certain things, but you should be involved in some type of ministry. Whether it be faithful in the season that God has for you, no matter what it is. But no matter the season, we are to sit at the feet of Jesus and to listen to what he wants us to do. Now, I'm going to close out with a warning. Jesus gave us, gave in this passage to apply the most important important, somber warning that he gives us. He said, the greatest danger of busyness is that it keeps you from the one necessary thing. And what is the one necessary thing? Walking with God. Knowing God, we can be so busy that we can miss God. I've said it before, I've heard others say this, if a devil can't make you bad, he'll make you what? 
busy. Don't make you busy. Jesus tells Martha, Mary has chosen the one thing that will never be taken away from her. See, everything else that you're giving your time to is going to be taken away. Your career, your kingdom, your family, your health, your wealth. One day it's all going to evaporate. But if you walk with Jesus, that will never be taken away. The great psalmist wrote on time, Psalm 90 verse 12, says the number of our days, teach us the number of our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Oh God, help us to see what you're teaching us. I pray that you give somber reflection to how you're spending your time. That's how you spend your time. That's how you spend your life. So here's a takeaway. Got two questions. Two questions for you to think about this week. Think about what is think about these two questions before you take your spiritual nap this afternoon. Okay? Question number one. What does your calendar say about your priorities? What does your calendar say about your priorities? Right there in the handout notes, you can take it home. Think about this. What does your calendar? And number two, are you taking the time to sit at the feet of Jesus and let him dictate your priorities? Are you taking the time to, to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him? Hey, we were made for Monday. We're made for Monday. But you'll never be ready for Monday if you don't rest and sit and listen to Jesus and ask him, what do you want me to do? Oh God, we ask you to help us today. Help us as we work, as we're busy. Help us to make time to listen to you. Help us to know, to be still and to know that you are God. To be still. God, I know that's hard for all of us. A lot of us to be still. We think being still equals laziness. It's not. Being still to listen to you is the best thing that we could do. Busyness does not equal faithfulness. And so God, help us to be still and listen and do what you want us to do. And so God, we ask you to help us as we, as we are made to work. But most importantly, we're made to have a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.